It's time for the Full Out Cheer Podcast, brought to you by Dream Camps. Discussing all things cheerleading with some of the best industry influencers in the world. Welcome, welcome. This is Dan Cotton, and you are listening to the Full Out Cheer Podcast. I've been lucky enough to work with some of the best in the cheerleading industry over my years owning and operating Dream Camps. I realized I learned so much just sitting and listening to my staff talk that I wanted to share that experience with the rest of the cheerleading world. So I set out to sit down with my staff and do that. Just talk. So without further delay, let's get to it. Um, So we are live on our Facebook now. Um, So for those of you who are hopping on, uh, we are live with uh, Andy... How do you pronounce your last name? Cosferent. Cosferent. Uh, and you are a coach at Navarro? Yes, I am the assistant coach at Navarro College. Awesome. And it's, so it's pronounced Navarro? Tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> Even myself, I like, sometimes I would say Navarro, sometimes I say Navarro. Uh, it just, however, it feels like coming out, I guess. Okay. I don't think there's a, there's a right or wrong way. Navarro, Navarro, a very little known school. Really, no one knows who you are. So let's let's get to the details about Navarro. Because, uh, but well, before we get to that, would you mind just kind of briefly introducing yourself, telling us a little Absolutely. bit about who you are? Uh, before we start, I just want to thank you, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate being here, and I appreciate uh, being able to talk to everyone. And I truly hope that everybody watching is healthy, safe. I know that you know it's some crazy times that. None of us expected and none of us want to be in, but we have to do it and we're all going to get through it together. Um, so my name is Andy Kosferin. I am originally from Romania. I was born there. Um, I moved to Montreal, Canada when I was 12 with my parents. And then in 2012, I decided that I wanted to pursue my studies and um, moved to Texas. I was a gymnast for 12 years. I started in Romania, continued my career, gymnastics career in, in Montreal in Canada. And then after I graduated high school, um, I had a few injuries. So that kind of held me back with my progression. So I decided that that was going to be it for me. And some of my friends that we were doing gymnastics together, they quit also. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's do this, try out this little cheerleading thing. You know, we had, like, a team where we were doing gymnastics, and I was like, absolutely not. Like, this is not happening. I'm not – you're not dragging me into this. So, obviously, they ended up dragging me into it. Um, went there after, like, a practice or two. I mean, I just fell in love with the sport, fell in love with um, everything about it. And then I moved and cheered at Flyers All-Stars in, from Montreal. Okay. I cheered there uh, for three years with them and also coached. And then, like I said, in 2012, I decided to move to pursue my studies, to come here to, for college, and also to continue my cheerleading career. I was an athlete in Navarre for three years in 2013, 14, and 15. And I also did cheer athletics Wildcats in 2013 and 14. And then after that, I kind of just stuck around. I mean, the program and just Navarra as a whole truly changed my life and changed a lot of things for me. So I was just trying to, every time I would be, you know, in town, I would come down and just try to give back as much as I could. Um, So I've stuck around really since 2016. And now I'm the official assistant coach of Navarro. And I travel, if I'm not here, I pretty much travel, um, 
somewhere in the world for cams, choreography, judging, consulting, or things like that. Anything that surrounds the sport that we were all in. Yeah. So you pretty much do everything. Tried to How do long have you been uh, doing the judging, consulting, like that part of it? Um, so I started doing camps and choreography in 2014, summer of 2013, after my first year at Navarro. Um, so it's been about seven to eight, it's gonna, going on the eighth year. Um, that's also when I started doing judging. And then, you know, I judge, I go to Paris, Brazil, Mexico. I run the scoring system in Brazil and Mexico, um, UK, pretty much all the big events that I'm sure you guys go to and compete. Um, yeah, I saw you at NCA All-Star Nationals judging that as well. Yeah, NCA, UCA, cheer sport. Um, I don't judge worlds because as a company of choreography, we have too many teams there, so it would be a conflict of interest, obviously. Um, but yeah. So you, how many languages do you speak? You've lived? Um, I'll say four. Four? Yeah. That's awesome. Romanian, French, English, and Spanish. That's, I didn't know about the speaks one language, bad English. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, that was good. That was really <laughs> so um, obviously, I, I know you, uh, and we will probably ask some questions about uh, the documentary cheer, uh, but Let's pretend someone listening hasn't watched it. They haven't dedicated the time to doing that. Um, tell us a little bit about Navarro, where it's located, what kind of school it is. For sure. Um, so we are a junior college in a small town called Corsicana. It is in between, it's about an hour south of Dallas. So if you drive, let's say you would want to drive from Dallas to Houston, it's about one hour in your four hour drive. Um, there's not much to Corsicana, really. Uh, like I said, it's a lot of, you know, local businesses, a lot of local things uh, that kind of, you know, everybody knows everybody type situation if you grew up in Corsicana and things like that. Um, the college is pretty much the most exciting and the biggest thing that we have. Um, and luckily we have a, a fantastic program the good thing about that aspect is that, you know, when you're not at practice, you're still with your team. So there's not much to do around it besides, you know, if you're going to drive to Dallas to go uh, shopping, go to, we have a movie theater here too, but a lot of people want to drive to Dallas, you know, to go have dinner, to go shopping, go to all-star practice. A lot of our kids, I would say, especially this year, probably around, 80% of our athletes of the entire team uh, were also doing an all-star team. Um, but yeah, really, you know, it's, you come here, if you're a cheerleader and you want to come to Navarro, you come here for cheerleading. You know, like I said, we're a junior college. We don't have the big football games that you would go to, you know, an LSU, an Alabama, Texas Tech, uh, Oklahoma State University, OU, or anything like that. Obviously, we cheer, you know, for football, soccer, volleyball, basketball, and we do go to their games. We cheer and do all this stuff, but, you're, you know, it's not the same atmosphere and it's not the same big stadiums with tens of thousands of people. Um, we just go because, you know, obviously we want to, but just because that's our role 
towards the school and towards the team and to keep that that face of the school um so pretty much everyone that's on the team that comes here they did they come here for cheerleading do all of them live in dorms apartments like what's the living situation um so if you are a freshman you will have to live in the in the dorms i'm sorry so everybody that's a first year has to live in the dorms and then if you are a second year or a, a third year you are you are allowed to live in apartments which campus and apartments are really close probably like a five minute drive uh but you must uh, maintain a certain gpa in order to be allowed to live off campus uh what gpa is that how oh, that's a 2.7 2.7 okay uh academically is the college known for anything or are there specific programs that are really popular with the cheer athletes at the school um, I would say a lot of our athletes either go into like nursing, obviously because we're junior college, a lot of people go into general studies because that's what, you know, usually people do in junior college. Or if not, it would probably be a kinesiology. Okay, I messed that up. Um, and that's pretty much it. I would say like the main ones, the most common ones. But I would tell you that most of, the, most of our kids come here you know, to get the experience of being an Navarro cheerleader, getting all the general studies out of the way that you would have to do anyways somewhere else at a four-year university. It's not going to cost you as much. It's going to be a lot easier. Um, teachers will work with you a lot more because they don't have all the hundreds of, you know, students that they normally have. Um, so they do that and then most of our kids then transfer to a four-year school to pursue at that point whatever the degree and what they want to study in so you said earlier that in order to live in the apartments they have to maintain a 2.7 gpa so i'm assuming that you guys really reinforce that student athlete part of the cheering at navarro so you guys really make sure that the kids are all doing well academically correct Absolutely. So because, you know, like I said, it, it's a smaller school, we know all the teachers. So we're, we're in contact. So, you know, let's say Vont is one of my athletes and he doesn't go to school to class today, then I will probably get a text message or an email from that teacher telling me that. And we are very strict on that. So if one person misses class, the whole team has to run about an hour long and do stairs and sprints. So and then that we, we keep track of all that. And I mean, you know, we've had like literally one time, I think we were like two weeks that every single day, the whole team ran because of people were just missed class. So you picked such a realistic scenario with Vontae being the one skipping class. <laughs> For sure. Hey, C's get degrees, dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, we, and you know, like, especially this year, we, uh, you know, as soon as everybody's checked in the school and gets all their information, we have a document with everyone's login information and password that we're able to just log in into your um, self-service account, go look at all your grades, make sure that you're, you know, doing your assignments and things like that, especially now with, you know, the whole situation that after our spring break in March, everybody had to go home. So literally, like every time Monica and I are in the office, that's the first thing we do for like two hours, which is log in in everybody's account to make sure they did their homework, to make sure they're on track, you know, they're not failing classes, calling the kids, making sure that they did it and all that kind of stuff. So it, we're very, you know, for the last few years, we've been the, the sport that had the most 3.0s and 4.0s.
out of the entire school. So you guys don't just care about what these kids do on the mat? Oh, not at all. You I are mean, really if, invested. If you don't go to class and you don't, you don't, you know, it, if you don't respect the, the classes and your teachers and what you really came here to do, then that's basically they're suspecting me as a coach. So, you know, we take it very serious to where, yes, we're here to do cheerleading and win national championships, but we're also thinking about your future and we want to make sure that after your year or your two years, you're not just, you know, what am I, what am I going to do next? Like we want to make sure that you have a good GPA. You can go to a four-year university where you can get a scholarship there for transfer and things like that. We want to, you know, to make sure that all of our kids are successful in life and just help them as much as we possibly can. So how much does it cost to go to Navarro? Um, done. Let me pull this up without <laughs> I have all this information ready for you. Okay, so um, as a so everybody gets a scholarship once you make the team. Once you make the team, everybody gets a scholarship, and you get a minimum of a thousand dollars per semester. This goes towards your tuition, and obviously it can you know depending on grades, depending on skills, and whatever the situation may be, it can go up from that thousand um, dollars for a fifteen-hour student. Where did I write this down? Okay. For a 15-hour student, which is a full-time student, depending, you know, it's about $2,200 per semester for tuition. It can vary depending on, you know, if you take online classes or if you have labs, but roughly $2,200 per semester, subtract about at least $1,000 per semester that you get as a scholarship. So really for your tuition, it would cost you about $1,200 to be a full-time student at Navarro College. And then besides that, what you would have to pay is the, um, the room and the meal plan, which for a 18 meal plan, it's about 3,400 per semester. So you get your dorm and you also get 18 meals a week included in that from the cafeteria in. What are the dorm rooms like? Are they all the same or are there like... Uh, most of them are the same, but we keep like all of our kids are staying together. And it's basically two bedrooms that have a bathroom each. And then you have a living, a common living area. And it's two people per bedroom. So you have a, you have a roommate and then you have two suite mates. So four people per dorm, basically. But the, dorms, it's, the dorms aren't I far need, from campus though, sorry? right? The dorms aren't far from campus though, right? No, like you, you literally walk, walk to class and okay. to practice and to go eat is there any ability to cook in the dorm rooms you may have like a microwave <laughs> <laughs> the easy but they don't allow you to have like a toaster or like things like that that heat up that they don't allow you that just because of liability yeah. and all that stuff yeah you don't need the dorm on fire Mm -mm. Um, so you mentioned being able to walk to practice so it kind of flows into it where do you guys practice what's your facility like um, it's uh, one of our basketball venues um, and that's where like the gym is that's where you know public area of people just to hang out watch TV and things like that um, it, it's literally like kind of in the middle of the whole entire campus on school, at school and that's where our, we have our mats we have our room where we store our mats and we have all of our stuff there so we put the mats on and off every practice. Okay. Do you guys practice anywhere else or always on campus? Um, no, we have, of course, the CTA, which is an all-star gym, which uh, 
it's literally across the street from the dorms. So it's not on campus, but really you're walking, you can walk from your dorm to the gym. Um, so we have a, a spring floor there that we know that's where we normally have our night practices or if it's during the weekend or things like that, we would go in, you know, to clean tumbling or if, you know, we just want to go most, a lot of people are either coaching there or teaching classes or private. So a lot of people from the team will have the key and the owners are aware of that and they work with us because we've worked together for so many years. So we're allowed to go in there whenever we want to, as long as, you know, there's not a team practice or a class or anything like that. But since we're going at nighttime, normally there's nothing going on. So we can go and stay as long as we want. So you mentioned like night practices. Uh, how often do you guys practice a week? Uh, we practice Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 3.30. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we also practice at night. Probably sometimes for either starts at 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock for about a few hours. And that's so seven times a week on top of that? I'm sorry? You have like games and other commitments on top of that as well? Yeah, but you know, like sometimes if we have a basketball game on a Thursday night, obviously we're going to be at the game. We're not going to practice. Um, or, you know, if we have a football game on a weekday, same thing. But yeah, we also have all the games. Like on the weekends, we have football games or things like that that we have to attend. Okay. Do you have any additional requirements like uh, workouts or weights or anything that athletes have to do? No, anything that we would do, it would, will be between, you know, those practice hours. So we don't require anybody to go to the gym. We don't require anybody to wake up at six in the morning to, you know, go run or things like that. If we do it, we, it will be like as a team, but you know, we, I believe that we are probably one of the programs that practices the most in the entire world as a university or even as a all-star team. I don't think any team out there practices more than seven times a week so you know i think to that's pretty much enough and we should be able to make do everything that we need in those times yeah you said uh earlier that uh you said 80 percent of your athletes do some form of all-star team um and some of them kind of work as cta but do a lot of your athletes have time for like other jobs as well like around town um, or anything like that very i mean some do but very rarely just because of either time commitment or most of them just don't want to but you would be allowed if you want to you know like mm -hmm. if you took most of most of the the kids would take classes in the morning from either 8 a.m until noon and then you'd be done with school by noon then go to practice then you have the whole rest of your day free right so if you wanted to you know get another job somewhere you'll have the rest of the day to do that or, you know, if you have a practice at All-Star, you go to Chair Athletics, Spear of Texas, or Champion, or if you go to Houston to Prodigy Woodlands and so on, um, you know, you have the rest of the day to really focus on whatever you want to do. Um, so what, what programs do you guys have? Uh, is it just the one team, or do you have multiple teams within Navarro Cheer? No, we only have a large co-ed team that actually competes. Okay. And then everybody's kind of just fighting for that spot. So how many, athletes, how many athletes are on the team, though? Roughly about 40 to 4. This year we'll have a little more because with the whole situation, we have a lot of returners that 
were not supposed to return, but now they're like, I want to come back to, you know, finish the right way. So we'll probably have around 45 this year, but normally about 40 people on the team that are fighting for 20 spots. 20 people make Matt? Correct. How many uh, males, females? What's the ratio? It will be 11 boys, nine girls. And then how many in the wings do you have guys, girls? Is there kind of a set limit? Um, I would say girls probably around like 14. And then boys will be about 26, 24, 25, that area. Okay. Um, obviously, we, we know your program competes. Uh, you guys compete at Daytona. Do you do any other competitions throughout the year? No, that is the only competition that we actually compete. We do have multiple show-offs and showcases that we do prior to Daytona. We have about three, including our own. But uh, the actual like event, event, it's only college nationals in Daytona. Um, we already covered scholarships, but and that everyone kind of gets a scholarships. So what would be the baseline skill requirements for an athlete wanting to come in to Navarro to be competitive to make the team? Um, you know, I would tell you it truly de it truly depends on what what role you have to you want to have on, on a college team, especially for a college. You know, I think you have to decide like if I'm a guy, uh, am I going to be really good at tumbling or am I going to be really good at stunting? There are very, very few times that people can do both. It happens very, well. very, very rarely. And there's also guys that are trying to, are wanting to be really, really good at both, but they are just okay at both. And that's not necessarily helpful because, you know, if I'm a great tumbler and I'm just a tumbler, I'm not, I'm not going to try out for a stunting spot on a team then I'm just going to focus all my time on tumbling and make sure I'm the best tumbler on the team. And Vante is the exact opposite on, you know, he's just stunting. He's not going to tumble. He just wants to be the best tumbler on the team. Then, you know, I'll probably put myself on a team as a tumbler and put Vante on a team as a stunner. But if there's that one person that's kind of in between, then, you know, yes, you can do both, but you're not excelling at either. So sometimes that doesn't really benefit you. Whereas in all-star, I think, you know, the more you can do, the better, because you have to do so many things. But I think, you know, the most important part is deciding what your role is going to be as a guy or even as a girl. You know, some girls come in and they're like, I'm not flying. I'm just going to do baskets. I'm going to hold the pyramid up and I'm going to tumble. And there are some girls that come in and they're completely, I'm, I'm not flipping my body over. I weigh 90 pounds and I'm just going to fly, you know, throw me up in the air, put me in a pyramid, whatever you need to do. So I think that's the first step that, you know, I, I tell everybody decide and figure out what you want to your role to be when you go to, to college and cheer on a college team. And then from there, you know, if you're a flyer, then obviously having some experience in college stunting helps. I would say, baskets are super super important so you, if you can get some experience in baskets prior to trying out or prior to prior to going to college that will help you tremendously if you're a girl that wants to just stumble then i will tell you you need to have for our team you need to have a toe full and bounding skills um if you're a guy that wants to tumble you know you for obviously have to have a toe full and at least a two to full full 
something like that. You know, if you're a stunner, then kind of like the girls, just have some some sort of experience in college stunting and you know show that you know what you're doing and you can do inverting skills and tossing skills and things like that. Awesome. Um, do you think that uh, from you your experience, like you know, cheering in college, do you think that it's easier to learn those skills once you get there. Like what's the best way you would encourage somebody to make sure that they're ready for your trial in one of those roles? Like I, I can um, say for example, I, for me, you know, I, I would say first, if you have any questions, don't be afraid to ask. There is no such thing as a stupid question in something that, you know, you don't know. So if I was someone new and I don't, I can kind of do this and kind of do this and kind of do this. And you want to go to this college, then send an email to the coach, you know, try to give them a call, try to reach out or start by talking with your own coaches at your own program, whatever you're coming from, trying to get some advice from them. And then, or like I said, also try to reach out to the coaches at the college and, you know, ask what they're looking for because some colleges may need something different than the other college. And there's always, there, there will always be a place for everybody. That is a 100% statement. You know, whatever you want to do, if you want to cheer, there will always be a place for you somewhere, somehow. But you just, got, you just have to find that place that really fits you and what you want to do and what your interest is. So I have some people that want to know a little bit more about you. Okay. Who are watching the feed. Um, so one of, one of the parents wants to know what you would consider your greatest strength or asset as a coach. Um, one of the, uh, one of my biggest things that I'm really proud of would have, would have to be my creativity as a coach slash choreographer that I bring to the team. Okay. And, and so you work with Monica and obviously everyone who's seen the documentary knows who she is and, um, what is coaching with her like? Um, I mean, I've had Monica as a coach, so I've known her for a very long time. Even when I was an athlete, it was her and I really bonded well together. We had a great connection and a great, you know, relationship. And now just being next to her, I, I think we bounce off each other really well. We, we really like connect together and we're always on the same page. You know, like it, if I know that's something she doesn't agree with, then, you know, I'm just going to step on the side let her do her thing because I know she has to do her thing and kind of vice versa. You know, it's not like when we're working together, it's not like Monica is the main one and I'm just going to sit behind her. We're really working as a team and, you know, I know what I'm stronger at and I know what she's stronger in. So we kind of, you know, kind of tap in, you know, like I got this, you got this. And whenever I'm done, I'm like, all right, you got to go, you do that and kind of just, you know, try to make the best of it and make the best routine and make the best team that we possibly can. Uh, How would you, know? that you said that uh, Monica coached you at one point. Do you think it was a, a odd transition for you personally going from being an athlete in uh, Navarro to now being the assistant coach at some point? Um, not when it comes to Monica. You know, I, I think when I was on the team, especially my third year when I came back, I was always – with her whatever you know i wanted to know why she would make a decision or trying to help make a decision the right decision obviously and you know i was always next to her if i wasn't on the floor and we would always talk it out and talk things through so 
when it comes to just between her and I, I think the transition went very smooth to where, you know, we, we knew what it took. We knew what we were there to do and we just keep doing it. Are there any additional staff aside from the two of you? Not as of right now. We will have uh, Kaylee Peppers that will, uh, will be coming this upcoming year that she will also be helping coaching, but um, not until now. It will, it's been just the two of us uh, coaching wise. We've obviously have, you know, trainers and all that kind of stuff that are there with us, but not coaching wise. So you have trainers that are on site all the time or? Yes. We have trainers with us at every practice. That's awesome. Um, How would you describe your coaching style? What kind of coach would you say you are? Um, I would say that, you know, I'm the type of coach that I, I like to get to know you not just as an athlete, but as a person. And once I am able to do that, I don't expect any, anything less than your best every single time. Because I think once I get to know you and I know this is what you can do, then if God forbid or something happens that it's less than what I know you can give me, then I'm just going to look at you and just be like, why are you even doing that? Like, there's no point to... Like you just, you just wasted your time, your energy, my time for what, you know what I mean? So I expect my kids to always give me my all because I'll always give them my all. So I think it's just fair if I'm going to, you know, put my hundred percent effort and I expect you to do the same. So no slacking allowed is what you're saying. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes. We'll, we'll, we always have fun. Like, it's always in a good environment. You yeah, know, yeah. It's not like yeah. we're at, at, like in the army and it's like this and this and this and this. Obviously, sometimes it gets like that because of attitudes and whatnot. But, you know, I, I'll always expect the best from you, but in a fun way. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll always call people out and you guys can ask Vontae because I've called people Yeah, I know. Out. So, I know. You know, I, I'm not the type of person to be afraid to call anybody out on something. Right. But, you know, I'll give you one chance, I'll give you two chances, and I'll still be nice. But then after the third time, we need to have an actual talk. Right. Um, I have a couple other questions, but an athlete asked a question. I think you kind of already answered it, but uh, just so she has the value of having it. She Basically, she's 15. She recently started cheer, and she doesn't have a ton of tumbling Mm -hmm. uh, yet. She's got her standing back handspring um, and is – kind of in that mode of like, it might be too late for me to cheer in college um, or get really good at tumbling. Uh, what would your advice or response be to that kind of I would statement? tell you that I didn't start cheerleading until I was 17 or 18. Yes, I was a gymnast before, but gymnasts don't do any standing tumbling or any jumps or anything like that. So I remember when I transitioned for that, like to me it was so hard and so new and so weird. So I'll tell you that it's never too late. I don't believe in such thing that it's too late to be something or too late to achieve something. So if you truly want to be a great tumbler, then you can be a great tumbler. You just have to put the time, the effort, and just need to have that mindset of, you know, that's what I want to do. And with your experience in the college cheer community, you also know and have seen there are great programs that are all girl. That, oh, absolutely. Like, she so may not have the skills to make your team, because you're a large co-ed, but sure. that doesn't mean that there aren't 100%. other programs that. One hundred percent. I mean, you have, you know, you have all girl, you have small co-ed, you have large co-ed, you have intermediate, you have game day. There are there are a lot of divisions, and like, that's why I said earlier, 
you know, there, there will always be a place for somebody. You just have to find that right spot for you. I think that's one of the, the detriments of kids out on the West Coast. They're not really right. exposed to right. um, the, the college the you're seeing quite have. as much. Mm-hmm. And unless you're a large co-ed style cheerleader where you're going to stunt with a boy or you're a really great right. dancer, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of programs for kids. For sure. Yeah. And, but, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that – you know, offer privates or classes, or I'm, I'm sure you can, there's always somebody somewhere that knows how to stunt. Yeah, for sure. Um, Vontae, any, any follow-ups? I have a couple other just random questions, but. Uh, no, but I was thinking about it earlier, like how you said, uh, you know, you're not afraid to like call people out and stuff like that. Do you think that that's just, I mean, I, I personally love that. And I know that, uh, like, because I know you well enough, I know that you made it all in good fun. But do you think that that's just something that you're, like, Navarro just does in general? Because almost, a like, Brandon does the same thing. A lot of people I know, like, y'all hold each other accountable and are such a tight-knit family. How do you guys, because I know the TV show can show you what it is, but I've, I've actually seen how tight and how you guys hold each other accountable, not just on, on the mat, but mm-hmm. off the mat. Do you, like, yeah. can you just talk more about that part, like, I guess, Navarro? I think, you know, the one thing that I'm really proud that I believe, you know, even from being an athlete and now knowing and being on the coaching aspect of it is once you go through Navarro, you know how to keep yourself accountable of anything, you know, when it comes to being an athlete, when it comes to being respectful in public, when it comes to acting right in public, just truly not just, You know, when it comes to going to class and doing your job and going to school and doing your homework and studying, I think we, it just, as a whole, once you're a part of this, you start becoming accountable of just your entire life as a whole. So, you know, it's not just about land your standing tuck, you know, but if I hear literally, you know, would be, I'll be with some friends and somebody just says a bad word and I see a little kid next to us. I'm like, y'all stop talking. Like, come on, there's kids next to us. You know, like it's the little things that we have to do here. So we start just keeping that after we're, we're done. You start integrating into like your personal life. 100%. And you know, I, I think to me, that's one of the most important things because it doesn't matter how good of an athlete you are if you're not respectful and you have an attitude and you don't respect your elders or just respect people in general and things like that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that can throw a full out there. Yeah. I, I think what's most impressive at like talking to you right now and, and coming from a perspective of being a coach, also being a parent is, right. is hearing a college program that cares about the, the human and and creating good humans Mm -hmm. and not just I want as long as you win that trophy in Daytona I don't care what you do oh yeah no that's just such an impressive thing um appreciate it and isn't I mean we we've kicked people off the team because of grades before you know or because attitudes like you know you act wrong one time then really at at the end of the day we have a lot of people and you know to me it goes like that for any college or all-star program like if you don't want to be here and you don't want to be a team part of the team in Akrite then you really don't need to be here right that's amazing um so 
one of the one of the things I'm touching on the documentary a little bit. Um, one of the episodes, which is frequently talked about, right? The pyramid episode where everyone in the world gets hurt. And uh, I'm not sure it portrays, I'm I'm not sure that was a fair portrayal for you guys and and what I'm sure are the safety measures you take. And I cheered in college. I understand level, like collegiate pyramids. Right, they're scary. Right, but um, do you mind kind of talking to some of those parents and athletes who may be like, whoa, scary about what you guys do to make sure athletes are safe and 100%. So, um, like you said, you know, we did not have any power on what was put in that six hours, right? That was completely the TV crew, the producers and everything. And you know, what people don't realize is we filmed for six months, 12 hours a day. If you make the math, that's a lot of hundreds of hours that was turned into six hours. So there's a lot and a lot and a lot of footage that is not on there. So yes, that episode, they wanted to make it so dramatic and make it look like literally half of the team got hurt within three hours of practicing. But you know that was probably within four, five, six months of time. And the one thing that it didn't show is the trainers are always there. You know, and as long as the trainer doesn't say, yes, you're clear to do something, then you're going to sit down and go to physical therapy or do whatever you need to do until they tell us that you're clear to do something. So, yes, are there injuries? 100%. I mean, you know, any, any team in cheerleading as a whole, if somebody can come up to me and tell me, I had a whole season, nobody rolled their ankles or nobody got hit too hard in the face or, you know, something somewhere will happen. It's just the sport that we're in and that, you know, that's just what it is. It will happen. And yes, it was not portrayed. And yes, it is talked a lot because it seems like you said that everybody's getting hurt, but really that happened over multiple months and everybody was taking care of you know, from the trainers going to get x-ray if need to, or whatever the situation may have been with that individual, you know, we, we would never, if, if somebody gets hurt, we would never just be like, I don't care. Get back up, do it again. Right. You know, that's, that's, first of all, that's liability on us and on the school that we cannot, we're not allowed to do, you know, like you will lose our jobs if we ever were to do that. But Yes, no, like I said, we have literally trainers that are with us there, like some, even our night practices that are not on campus, trainers come to practice. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I mean, cheer is a contact sport. I think we all get it. And sure. they, they edited that very well to make it look like it happened in one night. <laughs> yep. It really did. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. How long do you guys work on your routine? When do you like do um, choreography and how? So obviously we start practicing when the school starts in August. Um, we will start, you know, just working on basics and things like that. And usually probably around November, December, we start putting some ideas of the pyramid together and ideas of the, you know, start uh, stunt transition and how we're going to put it all together. But the actual choreography, we don't get it until February. But by then, we will have our full stunt section and our full pyramid. Got it. Yeah. And then it's just putting the routine together and in order and all that stuff. 
So aside from potentially becoming famous, um, what other perks exist for being a Navarro cheerleader? Um, I will tell you it was the best decision of my life that I've ever made. I, you know, I made the decision to come here by, and I came by myself. I got in the car. I drove here from Montreal, Canada. So that was 32 hours that I drove straight by myself. Um, you know, I left my family there. That was a big sacrifice for me. I'm an only child. So it was hard for me and for my parents. I, I didn't see them for a very long time, but I wouldn't change it for anything. And I, you know, I just think you go, you can go ask to, you know, alumni from 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they will have the same answer I just gave you. You know, I think Monica's doing a fantastic job. She's one of a kind woman. And, you know, just a family aspect in how everybody cares for each other and how everybody will have your back. Like, if I go into a city, whatever in the country or the world, and I need something, I need a place to stay, if I just probably put it on a, we have an alumni group on Facebook, obviously, if I just put it on there, there's for sure going to be someone that will be able to just keep me in for the night and give me a place to stay. And I don't need to know you just because we have that same family and the same bond and we've been through the same thing. It, you know, it's just the care that we have for, me, for each other. And it, it's, to me, it's like the biggest and the best family there is. That's awesome. Um, have you guys picked your team for next season? Uh, we are down to 40. We have told 42 people that they made the team. We still have a few left that we're trying to decide what we're going to do with that. What did you have to whittle it down from? <laughs> a few hundred. A few hundred? Yeah. Okay. We had, obviously, Easy. this year more than ever, for sure. Easy. Um, so, your, someone is... Go ahead, Monte. Are your expectations for returners different than those from new recruits? 100%. So I know obviously, there's, like, a skill base. Like, you want, like, so you said tumblers, two to full, full, you know, stunners, basic elites. But mm -hmm. is, would you, let's say, for example, we had a returner that could do the exact same thing as a, you know, a new recruit. What would you do in that decision? Um... If we're talking skill per skill, if we're talking specifically skills, I don't think, I think at that point it's just whomever is more consistent and whoever has more experience. If you are a returner that was also, that also competed in Daytona and had that experience, then you would have, you know, a, I guess a better chance because I trust the experience over someone new. But, you know, as a returner, if you already competed that last year and you're still as consistent as a new person, as a freshman, then something's wrong, right? So at that point, it would go, I think it would go further than just skill for skill. You know, you as a returner, like, I, like you said, the expectation for me, for you as a returner is way bigger because you've been through it. I need yeah. you to lead by example. I need you to help this team. I need you to lead the team in the right way. So have you done that the whole entire year? Yes or no? That, that may have, you know, that can affect the decision. Um, you know, it, it's not just about the skill. It's never just about the skill. Because, like I said, there's a lot of talented athletes and a lot of amazing athletes that can do a lot of skills. But doesn't, to, to me, at least, it doesn't mean 
that, you know, you have everything else that it takes. Do you cut returners very often? No. Because they're getting trained by you. If, if we were to cut a returner, it's mostly because of grades, number one, or number two, like if we had like attitude issues or things like that. The kids pr progress pretty well, I'm guessing, in their individual skills in your program. 100%. I mean, they're, they're practicing seven days a week with some of the best right. coaches in the country, so they oh, better yeah. get better. Oh, I mean, you, right? I'll tell you, there's so many years that we would literally have a flyer that she didn't have a double down. So we literally had to, like, teach her a prep double down in the, like, full group. And now, I mean, they're some of the best flyers that I know of. So um, a lot of work so, and progressions. So if someone is interested in uh, becoming a part of your program, which sounds like there's hundreds of cheerleaders out there, um, what, where would be the best place to start? And um, how would they get in touch with you guys to find out about like clinics or other things that they can do to improve? So we haven't um, decided yet what the specific dates for our clinics for next year but we will post when it will come pretty soon. So we will post them on our website and on our social media. But you know, if this person wants to actually talk or text or send an email, then uh, Vante has my contact information and he, he is free to give it to whomever wants to get any information they need. Okay. Awesome. Um, Vante, any other questions that you, you thought of? Uh, no, not really. But uh, if I had to say one more thing, just your, how, what would you do? Or one thing that I like that you said earlier, just about how you're teaching like uh, good characters and, uh, you know, making sure that they have integrity on and off the mat. Uh, right. I didn't think about it in our last interview. I meant to ask uh, Cass about it. But uh, one, do you think that it has ever been hard or something that some kids might have to learn I guess cheering in college that you're not only representing yourself, but you're representing the entire program. Like uh, when I 100%. cheered at Blinn, I'm not just representing Vontae Spears at Blinn. I'm representing every other Blinn athlete in my program. I'm representing my coach, like all stuff like that. Have you ever had 100%. any? And you know, sometimes it, ta it takes a long time. It, that, that's not something that will just happen like that. I will tell you that I've had athletes that even after the first year, they didn't get it. They didn't get it until at the end of the second year. You know, for some, some people, it will click a lot faster than others, and there's no wrong or right as long as it clicks at some point. You know, because I think once it clicks, you realize a lot of things, and it means a lot more to you uh, deep down. And, you know, because if not, you're just going to do it, like you said, for yourself. I'm just here doing me and, you know, whatever I need to do, I'm going to do it. But that's it. But when you start doing it for the person that's next to you and behind you and in front of you and for that person that's screaming for you every single time you take the floor because they're not on that and they're still there giving you their 100 percent energy, then that's when it like really starts to matter. And that's when you truly, truly, truly understand. The, I would say college cheerleading. Yeah. Well, Andy, is there um, any other, anything else you think is important for us to know about, about you or Navarro cheer or just cheer in general that you want to touch on before we let you go today? 
I would say, you know, guys, like I said earlier, don't, there's no such thing as a stupid question or being afraid. You know, if you have a question or you want to know something, go ask. I'll promise you that you will get an answer from somebody somewhere that hopefully will help you out and help guide you in the direction that you want to go. And don't, don't just don't ever give up, you know, how, no matter how hard things get and no matter the situation that we may be in, you know, just keep going, like keep going one step at a time. Don't look back and just keep moving forward. How, you know, even if the step is this big, it's better than not, not taking any steps. So just keep working hard, stay motivated, stay, you know, whatever gets you going, just keep, keep that hunger and keep going. Don't ever stop. Awesome. Well, Andy, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for taking the time out of your quarantine day to chat with us. Thank you um, so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun. It's been an honor. Um, Vontae, thank you for setting this up and we'll let you go. Awesome. Uh, take care. Stay safe. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, stay safe and we'll be back on track soon, I'm yeah. sure. All right. All right, guys, have a good one. Bye. You too. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Dream Camps or any of our guests, contact us at info at OregonDreamCamps.com.